Yo. Hey, man. Yo. Yeah. You hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? All cool. Nice. What's going on? So are you recording this also for video or is this all because it's kind yeah, of looks? Yeah, for video. Is that cool? Yeah, I know. No, it's all cool for me, but it looks pro. <laughs> uh, dude, do you want to know it looks pro? It's because I'm in the McDonald's parking lot. <laughs> no, shit. But, uh, so I live... You're in a van or what? Uh, no, I'm in a station wagon. I got my dog next to me. I'm on the way to a race. And uh, Where are you going to race? Uh, just a local race down in Georgia. Okay, road, okay. road race. But I uh, I live well, in a... You're, you're lucky. We don't race yet here. The local races. That's what I heard. Well, you know, the southeast in the U.S. is kind of wild, wild west. Like, a lot of people didn't believe that COVID was a thing, so they just kept rolling. Yeah. Which is, yeah. you know... At the end, you're still racing. So I got vaccinated. Um, cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's good story. Good, uh, good for you. Yeah. Because so. I'm still trying to get into the U.S. Oh, really? You can't uh, even come yeah. over? No, no, no. For the Europeans or the Schengen countries, it's 14 countries. You have to be 14 days in Mexico or, or Canada before you can enter, which makes it a pain in the ass for me, you know. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, I yeah, I dealt with the Schengen thing. Uh, I was living in Belgium for a short time and didn't even realize <laughs> what that was, and so I had to leave. And I went to um, uh, Croatia and I went to yeah. Scotland, which ended up being a blessing because I was like, "Holy crap, Croatia is amazing!" I wish I had brought a bike with me, but yeah, yeah, it's you know, nice, huh? Oh, it was great. We had a great time. We were only, we were there for about seven days. Um, it was really quiet. It was. It was like we went to Havar City and there was no one there. It was very odd, but it was like November, so I guess that's to be expected. Okay, well, oh. yeah, I've I've done. I think one of my last races was over there, the Tour of Croatia, which was okay. basically, uh, which was basically, uh, I think, uh, almost October when I was there. Yeah. yeah. Still nice. We had a we had a good time. Good people. Good food. So, dude, yeah. thanks for thanks for coming on and doing this. Uh, this yeah, is no worries. I, I like to do it. So, you know, I've got my own podcast. Yes. Pretty full on in the in the Netherlands. Uh, and uh, yeah, I like. Uh, it's been a while since I. I think I do once a week now, but. Uh, Sometimes I throw in another one, you know, so actually it's okay. I like to do it. Yeah. Very I almost cool. forgot twice today, actually. I was like, oh, fuck, shit. I do not have that podcast. So. <laughs> How long is a podcast typically for you? Or is this, or you mix this in another one, another, uh, you, you, is this like a separate one just with me or you mix it in with another? No, this will be, this will be just you. I actually usually cut it okay. into two. Because a lot of people, like, since I put it on YouTube, an hour's really long for people to dedicate to. And yeah, so I noticed yeah. people were watching, like, 20 to 30 minutes. So so I asked people, I'm like, yo, I put a question up. I'm like, do you guys like shorter? And, like, dude, that'd be awesome. So I I even do, like, eight or nine-minute podcasts um, yeah, yeah. that are just like, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what we're talking about. I got an athlete doing this, da 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 Just to share sharing experience. That's actually how this, yeah. uh, this evoke business started like you know i'm not a pro i just love cycling it's changed my life um i've been coaching people for a long time 
and I was on the phone with my friend and I'm like, dude, we should, we should record this. Like we should put a podcast out. And he was like, uh, do you think people will listen to it? I'm like, well, our moms will listen to it first and then maybe it'll spread a little bit. So, and, uh, and you have a lot of listeners now or? So on YouTube, we have about 1,700 subscribers. We'll get like 2,000, like Ted King just came on. I'll get like 2,000 views. Um, Podcasts, we just passed like 35,000 total though. So we're tiny, but we're growing. And um, that's why it's crazy for me to sit in a McDonald's parking lot and talk to Lawrence Tendon, (laughs) LTD. I'm like, I told somebody, they're like, wait, are you? freaking serious i was like yeah dude this is crazy (laughs) cool Cool. um and how do you you have like an intro or how does it start you know so dude do you know what man this is if you're cool that i would love to play this part and you and usually like just the raw do you know joe rogan yeah 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 yeah, yeah, just how he rolls in man just like okay okay okay, cool (laughs) so do you know frank overton he's a Uh, u.s coach I know the name, yeah. Yeah, so he's into like yeah. gravel and he's got a, and so we started talking and he's like, dude, are we live? And I was like, oh, we were live 10 minutes ago. People like, maybe I should start putting oh. that in the like, in the email to people of like, yeah, okay, yeah, by yeah. the way. Exactly. No, because when we start, we have an intro and blah, blah. And then, you know, we yeah, yeah, yeah. guess, but it's okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, you need no intro. Everybody knows who you are, but this is, this is what I thought would be the easiest question every time, but it's become the hardest. It always makes people pause. Who is LTD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my first question. Oh, so, so that's uh, so we so now we're live. We're, we're live. I'll cut it up. Okay. Yeah, if we can if we can keep the whole thing live. That would be even better. Yeah, yeah the parking the parking lot. Yeah, McDonald's. <laughs> what did you order? I just put somebody asked me this guy in the UK that coaches me, Tom Bell, uh, pro mountain biker out there, and he was like. Yeah. So it just dawned on me watching your podcast that you've got this crazy space background because you're in your car on the side of the road and i was like exactly <laughs> yeah yeah i'm um, in the main cave yeah dude so this awesome. is uh, i'm in the main cave this is my podcast studio this is this is my office this is where i used to live for the last four months because we were doing reconstruction of the house i'm also having some bikes hanging around with the the bikes who doesn't fit in the garage. Who is LTD? I I uh, I'm a father first of all, husband. Uh, ride riding bikes since I was two years old. Damn. Actually, first memories of biking is that I was next to my uh, next to the channel because I was born on a houseboat. So makes me also like a little bit hippie like you know like the <laughs> in Holland the, they think the houseboat people are are a little bit weird. So I was on the on my on my like three wheeler or like strider bike next to the canal and I was lost and I thought with myself fuck you know if I just turn around I come back you know but the bike was always for me something to explore the world to because the world is quite big if you're I remember I bought my first wheel touring bike when I you know like ten uh, uh, like five feet so ten ten uh, gears uh, forty two. 21 i think was the smallest gear and the 52 14 was the biggest one and then you're like 11 years old and you can go around like maybe 30 kilometers 20 miles around yeah you know and you and nobody of your friends is going that that far you that's know? far like, yeah so it was always for me a way to to discover things uh, then i became then when i was 15 after a year after a good winter in holland 
where we did some ice skating, you know, on the ice, mm-hmm. on the canals, where, you know, all the Dutch pictures. Then I started biking. Uh, I was a fan from the Tour de France, you know, and quite, yeah, within three years, I was like top of the yeah, juniors. And then I became, uh, became a pro, obviously, and I was that for 16 years. Whereas uh, also I had my hiccups, you know, like I remember uh, 2015, I didn't like it anymore. You know, I think we're going to discuss all this with power meter, nutrition, losing the weight, losing too much, everything too strict. So I moved to the US, the US for one year, lived in Santa Cruz, California, and in Turkey. And uh, uh, there I discovered a lot for biking again because there I there I remembered I, I met Scotty D. I was riding a lot with Ted King, who was in your podcast lately, you know. And I discovered gravel biking, mountain biking, going to Grand Duro, going to Leadville, going to whatever race. I did the Paint Hammer. I did some grasshoppers. I did all the local uh, Tuesday, Saturday rides, whatever. And I discovered back the love for cycling. And basically that extended my career with three years because I was going to retire after 2016. And then I retired after 2019. Still, I'm a brand ambassador for Specialized. And I'd like to race bikes in the U.S. next month. But they first have to let me in, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm checking the news if, if we'll be able to travel again due to COVID. Because here in Europe, there's not so much racing going on on gravel bikes. So I I have to move I have to race in the US. Dude, I hope you get over here. Yeah. I would love to be at a race and hear that Lauren Sendam is coming. It's just like No, so I'm planning. I don't know which races you are planning, but I'm planning on doing the 22nd uh, one in Texas, Gravel Locos, and then I would like to do inbound. Mm-hmm. Then in my second stint I will travel to Belgium Waffle right uh left fill and steam mode careful and then maybe also very robust at the end of the year so okay but a pretty full uh for sure are you doing yeah. the belgian waffle in california or the one in north carolina no no in california san diego i go there with the family got two boys they are six and nine years old right now they grew up like California kids in 2016, but right now they all like soccer, you know, so it's <laughs> totally European. Well, it's like you were the hippie on the houseboat, which is very dumb. Yeah. Now you're trying to give them like the hippie U.S. experience. Yeah, yeah. Are, are you making them be like vegan and not like... No, 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 no. Actually, we barbecued a lot, you know, so that, that's what I learned from Scotty D. So who's LTD? Yeah, and then I... Then I got that. Then I own several companies now. You know, I, I, I organize three events. I have my own clothing, cycling clothing, casual clothing. I have the podcast. We make movies on YouTube about the adventures, like, like for example, Unbound, or if I do a bikepack uh, event, racing events. I did one last year in the Pyrenees, or I do this year one in, in, in the UK. We make movies about all that stuff, and that's also we put it out on YouTube. And I represent a shitload of brands because of that too. Yeah, yeah. I lo- was LTD. <laughs> I was looking through your partners list. It was pretty fresh. I was like, this guy's got it locked up. It's like he's uh, making moves. And so it seems pretty intuitive. Live slow, ride fast. Did that stem at all from the resurgence of your love for cycling that happened after you kind of picked up this, you know, new gravel? Yeah. What is what does that mean to you? And for people that aren't familiar, go to live slow. Live slow, live slow, 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 slow. Com, yeah. So basically, I came around that 
that that motto. It's my motto. It's the the manifesto we uh, we made. Uh, it's everything we build around. Uh, in 2016, when I was living in uh, in California in Santa Cruz, you know, with a, also pretty laid back uh, city. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, as I just mentioned, I, I moved to the U.S. one week after the tour, and I I crashed I crashed in the tour, but I finished the tour, and it was maybe I think tour the France number eight. I finished or something. Is this the picture one? Is this the Rabobank? Yeah, one? no, no, no. It's another one. This is uh, this is the one where I popped in my uh, my shoulder because it was out, and then. Uh, the problem was, you know, you got everything what you, so, so I was 34 years old, right? Uh, back then, 34 years old. I remember I became a pro when I was 23. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, back then it was like, okay, if you can do this for 10 years and maybe you pay your house, you know, so that you don't have mortgage for the rest of your life, you, you've done it good. And then I would like to save some money to travel around the, uh, in a camper van with my kids before they had to go to school. And then I was like, after that tour de France, the year before I got ninth in the tour and I wanted to do better. So I wanted to be sixth or fifth, you know, top five or even podium. But, and then I became too skinny. I did too much training. I ate not enough. And then at the end of the year, I was like, okay, I'm 34 years old right now. What did I want to do 10 years ago? Okay, travel with the family. So fuck it, I just do it. I broke the back uh, two weeks after the tour because a car hit me from behind, and that was like, okay, fuck it. Did we just go to the U.S. right now? And uh, and like I say, I, uh, before the the year before, 2015 was live slow, live, live fast too. You know, like totally focused on cycling 24 hours a day. And back then in the USA, I was like, okay, I ride my bikes for six hours. But then in the night, I go to the beach together with the kids and with Scotty D and maybe some other families and someone brings products and someone brings a six pack and someone brings a loaf of uh, the the bread from uh, Pescadero. And then we all have fun together and I don't think about cycling, you know, I'm just a dad mm-hmm. and, and, and enjoying myself. And basically that worked for me because... Uh, because I found back the balance, the love for life, but also I wrote a good season. 2017 was even better. And together with Dumoulin, I won the, or he won the Giro. I was his domestique and blah, blah, blah. So it's all about balance, you know? And if it's too much about just riding fast, I don't know, you're, you're, you're coaching people, you know? And it's too much about, okay, you have to this, this interval and this and this, and everything needs to be perfect. And you need to lose weight and blah, and blah. And then the first race, you crash and you think, you basically also you think you 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 deserve that result but everybody works hard you know mm-hmm. it's not because you don't drink beer that you deserve a, uh, a podium spot in the tour de france because the whole bunch is, is is working hard and that's where i discovered okay the balance and it uh, yeah the motto and the manifesto uh, you also uh, the, the small things you do good you don't emphasize too much on 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 gear or stuff or whatever to buy things it's more on experience and enjoy it together with your family and it's not just about cycling everybody in life is struggling with to find time to train but also to be there for your kids and to have enough uh, enough uh, concentration on your work and to balance all those things together that's the thing what this live slow ride fast about you know like uh, if I just, I was just playing Mario Party with the kids to be fully 
in the moment with the kids instead of thinking about, okay, fuck, I still want to stretch. I still want to, I don't know, do some weightlifting and stuff like that. So that's what Live Slow Ride fast about, you know, just uh, the balance in life, which a lot of people uh, lose. And I did lose it too for a few, yeah, in, uh, for, for, the, uh, for sure in 2015, but 2010 was also a bad year for me. And there I, I lost the, I lost the, the fun in cycling, which is really crazy because right now I'm retired and I still do 25,000 kilometers a year while I know I don't have to do it, but I still like to do it, you know, also to go faster. So to get the best of, out of myself. Dude, I love that. I'm so happy that you rekindled and refound that love for the bike. I mean, that's, I, I always try to tell people that whether they're just trying to finish their first Grand Fondo or win a national championship, if we're not having fun, we are totally messing up. And so to hear you say that and encapsulate just that idea in, in everything that you've been through is, uh, is incredible. When you're, what do you think when you said you got too skinny, that's a big thing that a lot of cyclists go through. You know, I got to be skinny, got to be skinny. I'm really happy to see a lot of pros now talking about themselves in the weight room and looking at guys like Sagan and, you know, being strong. What was it in you, in your own head, being like, I got to lose weight. I'm going to the tour. I da, 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 da. Or was there yeah. other people putting pressure on you? Or what do you think? No, it was mostly myself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was mostly myself, you know, because then maybe you got injured and the, the thing you can control is your weight because it's just what you put in your mouth, you know? <laughs> To control the form is a lot more difficult eh? right. because that's what you do in training and you have to wait till the form arrives basically but to get skinny for me that was not so difficult because you just eat less you know or train more so <laughs> yeah so yeah so when i look back uh, because also now i'm more now that i train less uh, that i also have to balance all those other things in life more because back then when i was a pro i didn't have four companies to run mm -hmm. i also think with myself sometimes oh man i did hurt myself so much during those years you know because back then it was also maybe it was also a habit of the old pros not to eat during training mm. and typically i would bonk twice at training before the coffee stop and before i reached home you know and then i would binge eat at the coffee stop i would eat like maybe two pieces of pie or whatever like the equivalent of maybe five bars. Yeah. In like, Easy. And then when I would be home, I would binge on the pasta or whatever, or bread or just, and now that I, now when I'm training, I try to do at least uh, 60 to 80 grams an hour, you know, mm -hmm. which makes it more easy for me also to go through the rest of the day because when I'm home and I, I'm not as tired as I used to be because I was not killing myself uh, twice in a training. So, <laughs> And inside, uh, I think that was the thing I did. Uh, that was the thing I, uh, if I could do something over again, that would be it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. good info. What do you like to eat when you're training? And what do you like to eat when you're racing? Uh, so, the, the, unfortunately, I didn't race too much like, uh, well, last two years. Yeah. 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 So, the if only you race had a race. Yeah, uh, the only race I did was a bike pack event which <laughs> lasted I think seventy two hours. So there you eat whatever you can find on the road. But, uh, I don't <laughs> Gas think station burrito. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. But I like the cliff blocks. You know, it's like okay. fifty grams of carbs. Yeah. Uh, together with noon, uh the, the stuff. So when I when I train uh, now I, I eat a lot of blocks. 
also because it's light on the stomach, you know, and then I also drink some Morton in the bottles mm. or, or a noon. Mm-hmm. Basically, I'm I'm planning on doing the same during inbound, you know, not to change too much. You know, I hear stories about people eating uh, sandwiches with, uh, I don't know, and drinking whiskey. But I think when you're in the first group, I still would like to go fast, you know, and what, yeah. once it goes party pace, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> then I find whatever I want. But I did, like I said, in the old days, I did also races on, on, on one protein or, or a protein bar or like, uh, yeah not enough food you know i think so uh yeah and if i would have a swan you swan you're making things for me i would like to have those right things made for you but to be honest uh when i'm training i don't make those things i just take some blocks and maybe a cliff bar and mm-hmm. stop for a coffee stop or something but i remember an interview like this in 2012 uh, because uh, somebody made an interview with me about being a pro, and I I just read it, reread it, and he asked, "What do you bring for? What do you bring in your back pockets?" And it was, and I remember I stated, "Okay, it's a phone, it's a wallet. In the middle, it's always a extra rain jacket, and on the left side, I would take one or two bars." But it stated like I would stop for coffee and and eat a piece of pie. So the bar would go for maybe three weeks before I even would eat it, you know, because <laughs> I would always stop for coffee and eat some something over there. So, and also I think I still did it when I was living in Santa Cruz. I remember the Highway Nine coffee and so and places where to stop. But now the, in the COVID, it changed a little bit. I don't stop so much, and I start yeah. to eat more carbs where I take from home. And I notice it works better for me, to be honest, you know. And everybody tells you that. Every scientist tells you that. But you're always like, fuck it, you know, I do myself and now I experience it and I'm like, okay, actually, that's kind of cool. Like, <laughs> Monday, I did a seven hour ride and I didn't stop for for coffee or pie or Snickers or Coke. I just stopped twice for water and then I fill my bottles and put some Morton in and I would continue. That's so funny. I'm huge on the carbs. I used to go to this morning group ride and then it would start at 5 a.m. And so if I was going to do a long ride afterwards, it's a short ride. It's like an hour and a half for people that are like nine to fivers. And this guy's like, dude, do you have a convenience store in your back pocket? Because it's just like filled with like <laughs> yeah. candy and like, yeah, yeah. I was like, dude, I'm gonna go ride for like five hours. I need to, I'm a big, big boy. I gotta have a lot of carbs with me. So, yeah, yeah. So, so I, so I started doing that basically last uh, year or so when COVID started and everything got into lockdown. And then I noticed like, fuck, if I take like five hours and I take five steps of blocks and maybe two bars, you know, it, it looks like a lot, but if you count the calories, because blocks is just sugar, yeah. so it's it's no extra fat or protein calories. It's it's kind of okay, and I come home and I don't feel empty, and I still can push the last 30 minutes, also a decent watch, and I'm like, they used to tell me this in the cycling teams <laughs> for maybe 10 years already, but I was like, yeah, fuck it, I just want to <laughs> go lean, and I want to stimulate the fat burning, and uh, you know, I was like real lean, and now that now that I I start to do that, I'm like fuck yeah. They, actually, they were right. So if I could go back, I would. And actually, it makes sense because I discussed this also a lot with Dumoulin. Tom Dumoulin is a friend of mine, and you know, riders who, who because we back then we always emphasized on training uh, low, low, raising high with mm-hmm. the carbs. Mm-hmm. 
And then you do San Sebastian. It's a race the week after the Tour de France, where everybody did three weeks of train high in the Tour, or race high, but actually training the body high. Yeah. And the guys who do the Tour always win San Sebastian. Same for the World Championships. The guy who did the Vuelta, who were three weeks training high because they take gels, they take, they are well fed by the Swanies. They got the like if you have a bag in the middle of the race, it's mm-hmm. it's heavy, you know. So it's a mm-hmm. lot of food inside and we were like we are actually a bunch of morons you know thinking we have to train low because yeah actually when you race high for three weeks the week after still you can race a 270 kilometer world championship easily you know so that's interesting you guys made that connection it's like sometimes it takes some time well and that just shows badass you are that you made it as far as you've gone and you're yeah but nobody told really you easy. back then i just i just read an interview about jacob song which said the same I, I wasted eight years of my career by not eating enough he said but nowadays wow. you know uh, then i came into the structure so in 2016 i came into the structured system of steam sunweb which was back then giant obscene mm-hmm. It was the first time after a race, they asked me, what did you eat? First time I was like, what the fuck? How do I know? I don't know, like two bars. And no, we want to know because we want to see the race was five hours and you need 90 grams an hour. So you need at least 450 grams. And I was like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So we started to do that. And then I noticed also like when I did it in a race, I, I didn't do it in the training yet. You know, you know, like stubborn old guy, 35 years old. But in a race, I noticed when I would take 80 grams an hour, Suddenly, I didn't, because they always talk about the 200 kilometer barrier, you know, in the big classic, and suddenly it was gone. So it just had to do with, with food, you know, like uh, Dude, it's, with nutrition. It's crazy. I hope everybody needs to go back and listen to that part because there are, I know, some very accomplished amateur cyclists, and I'm, I just try to pound this into people's brain. I'm like, dude, if you're not familiar with what 90 grams of carbs looks like, you need to count it and figure it out. Yeah. And, it's uh yeah it makes just such a huge difference the it's funny ted king was on the show a few weeks ago and so i'm like oh, i gotta check out his podcast of course i saw you on there and i was like oh my god damn lawrence was on there <laughs> have you ever tried maple syrup oh yeah because ted was living in the i i use this uh what's it called uh, untapped untapped yeah. stuff a lot when i was uh, but in in europe it's it's not available but uh I still use it on my pancakes, though. You know? There you go. That's a good start. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I've been talking to him about some stuff about maybe doing a project because I started putting it in a collapsible flask. And when you're talking about the size, oh, yeah. dude, I got 250 grams of carbs, and it is like the size of my palm, and it sits yeah. so easily in your back pocket. So for like a super yeah. long ride, I'm like, so it's three hours of carbs you have there. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting, but. You know, yeah, I'm... but uh, those are things you have to learn. For example, I did that backpack race. It's a totally different uh, world. Mm-hmm. You In know, and I was of... there and I had my mattress and I had my sleeping bag to, to sleep. And then uh, what else did I bring? You know, like, uh, and and the guy who won that race, James Mark Hayden, he had only the aluminum thing to sleep underneath if he needed to but he slept in a hotel he said oh, it's way more comfy i agreed with him but i didn't know and I, rem- I remember i arrived at the finish line i still had four packets of those m&ms in my back pocket at least four cliff bars which i took from the start and didn't eat, eat. No uh, i think a bag of chips like i could easily 
I could easily go for another two days with the amount of food I reached the finish line. <laughs> so I asked him, what did you do? He said, okay, Lawrence, I imagined it was for me like, I don't know, 60 hours, uh, like two and a half days. And I thought I need 30,000 calories for that. Okay. Said, okay. Yeah. Make, makes sense, you know, because you cannot eat too. You cannot eat more than ten thousand a day, so it makes sense. He said, basically, I'm, I I threw in thirty thousand calories uh, together in a blender, <laughs> and I made flapjacks and pancakes from it. So my mom made it for me, and I put it all in my. I said, you, so you didn't stop at the supermarket? No. He said, okay, Lawrence, supermarkets are slow. I was okay. Fuck yeah, I noticed. I was there waiting in line. You know, with all my stuff collecting. Oh my God. So he he only stopped also like I'm tra- I I'm trained now for the water uh, for the fountains at the side of the road, and he had thirty thousand worth of calories in his backpack in pancakes and flapjacks. You know, and so that's also the, if you talk about bikepacking, I didn't know that. You know, yeah. I got hurt in that race, but I was like, fuck, this is this is a totally other thing. Then and somebody has to tell you that and. And nowadays at the world tour, the young riders got told you have to eat 90 grams an hour, which makes also the younger riders quicker doing, yeah, like Pogacar, he's 22 years old and he wins Liège and stuff like that, you know. And I also saw uh, Kasper Asgren, mm. he won Tour of Flanders, and mm. in his interview he said, uh, I learned the last two years that you have to do everything good in the first three hours to, to ride a good last hour. And I immediately thought about, okay, the guy, because I used to be like that too, you know, you stuff yourself the night before, you stuff yourself in the morning, and then the first two hours of the race, you eat nothing because mm. you're a stomach. And and I think he learned that the hard way too, and then he started to eat right from the start, you know? So I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, I think we had a, a guy on, uh, Pablo, he's an American. Uh, he's from Honduras. He lives in America now. Um, and he is big into like smaller meals to kind of periodize the carbs. So he's doing like three yeah. 90 gram servings, even after his ride, as opposed to one big meal yeah, yeah, and yeah. simple breakfast. And so it's interesting to hear other people bring that up. Um, end of the day, like experimenting, finding out what, what works for you. Yeah, exactly. And... Yeah. That's exactly the, the, what works for you. But what I notice now, what I know. Because I also try to do just the Morton thing with uh, one bottle an hour, mm-hmm. but I uh, so it's the Morton 320. Mm-hmm. But I notice if I do Morton 160 and a blocks, that works works better for me because Dude, I still got something in the stove. That's so interesting. I so I used to be sponsored by Science and Sport. They had this similar thing with uh, Beta Fuel before Beta it was Fuel, coming yeah. out. They sent it to me like, hey, will you we know you go on these like crazy long bike rides. We try it, and I liked Malto. Something about yeah something about just not eating because then i was getting 80 grams of carbs yeah. in a bottle and i never got to like put any food in my mouth i don't know if it was a mental thing but i was like i don't know just not vibing with me like i think i like the regular yeah. drink mix better and I, there's other people that that works great for them they prefer uh, just yeah. so yeah, so i like to do 40 grams from the bottle and then 50 yeah from blocks okay because they also taste good right yeah it's like candy <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like a treat like Oh, first hour in, I can eat uh, some blocks now, you know? Like, uh... <laughs> What's, I heard you say somewhere that, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you got ninth in the tour that year, like, when you were coming up in cycling and probably before you became yeah. pro, like, 
that wasn't your goal. You didn't see yourself being a top 10 fighter. What did you expect? Is you know, we're in the early 2000s. You oh man, I hate to cut this one off, but we gotta. We will be back so soon with LTD talking so much more about gravel, world tour racing, and a bunch more antics. LTD, man, you are awesome. Talk to you guys soon. See ya.